Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the advice. Carpe diem. Seize the day. The comebacks. Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer. <laughs> and the technology. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's Spearsy. And Brad in LA. And today we honor the hit songs We Forgot from 1985. How many times do we let ourselves get into terrible situations because we don't say, I forgot? I almost forgot to mention that Stuck in the 80s is now listener-supported via Patreon. Join us for VIP Zoom happy hours and more when you join at patreon.com slash stuckinthe80spodcast. By the way, in case you're wondering... Absolutely nobody joined up after last week's show when Spearsy offered to come over and reorganize people's home liquor cabinets. So this week, I, Brad in L.A., offer to come over and pull 10 weeds from your garden if you join as a patron. 10 weeds. I will line them up on the porch so you can count them yourself. You want to come help, Spearsy? I'm really kind of busy, Rat. Hey, 80s Nation. It's pretty much been an entire year since we last did a Forgotten Hits of the 80s show. Yep, I'm just checking now. June 14th, 2020, episode 557. But luckily, pop culture and life as we know it has been frozen in ice for the past year. So we'll just pick things up where we left off. Uh, We'll cover the Forgotten Hits of 1985 today. And with us, by special request, is our old friend Mark Canale, better known to the masses as Bass Note. Hey, guys. You ready to go back to 1985? Yes, I am. But before we do that, I want to congratulate you guys on 600 episodes. Oh, thanks. Thanks. I, you know, I've been listening pretty much since the beginning. I actually went back and just and found that it was episode six that I started listening oh, on, Jesus. which was the Say Anything episode. We probably did wow. say anything. I've been through all the different co-hosts, and I got to say the current car- incarnation with uh, Stephen Brad. Brad, since you've joined the show, I just think the chemistry between you and Steve is, is fantastic. And I've really enjoyed listening to you guys. And I'm just very thankful that you guys have let me have a small part in the podcast. You're, oh. you're pandering to us, Mark, and we love it. So <laughs> good work. Tell us but more just, about how wonderful we are. No, and all, all honestly, thank you so much. That really does mean a lot. I know. God, it's, episode six. Jeez. I, yeah. I, I mean, you could have given me like 30 guesses. I couldn't have told you what show that was. Well, that long ago, they didn't say anything. They probably barely said anything because the shows were so short back then. No, it was 20 minutes. 20 or 30 minutes, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay, we're going to spend 20 minutes on the intro today. It was like 19 minutes. (laughs) It was 19 minutes? 19 minutes, yeah. But you had me hooked because you started with the Peter Gabriel song in your eyes. So, (laughs) Oh, I don't even know how we did this. I mean, I didn't produce it back then. We either had our intern doing it or... Was we the maestro have, doing it back then? The maestro might have just been starting to do it. So, huh? Dave Morrison, the maestro. Those were the days when um, he was engineering the shows. Boy, those back when Steve had staff. <laughs> now he just has me. That's <laughs> why so nothing ever gets done anymore. Oh snap! But we will get this show done, even though it's been a year in between episodes. And I know why it's been a year because we, Brad and I, fight over the term "forgotten hit" whenever we 
talk about doing a show in this series. Fight is an ugly word, but I'll allow it. <laughs> I mean, the, the, here's the thing, gentle listener. When we started doing these for 1980, we would just take the year-end top Hot 100 chart and find some songs on there that we didn't remember. Problem is, by the time you get to 1985, Steve and I remember all those songs. <laughs> so we had to come up with some alternate methods. And I think it just, like, and this just makes me sound like the laziest person ever, but it makes it harder if you have to dig a little deeper into the charts. So we've kind of put it off in favor of other easy topics that we have to address where people send us giant spreadsheets full of content. You know how it is, yeah. right? I mean, everyone's busy. You got the sourdough in the oven. You're you're learning new crafts in pandemic. You don't have time to research charts. I here's here's how I interpret it. You guys like to dig deep into the weekly charts. I what I interpret when I say forgotten hits is I'm thinking about these are the songs that they were hits in 1985, but they rarely get played anymore on the on whatever source you get your 80s entertainment from. Whether you're listening to uh, classic rewind or 80s on eight on Sirius XM, or if you if you're lucky enough to have an 80s radio station in town, these sure. will, these songs will not be playing anytime soon. But when we play them today, you're going to be like, yeah, of course I remember this song. I'm not an idiot. They still have well, some interesting stories you behind. You did download it. this podcast, so eh. <laughs> we'll see what happens. But that's so I, I want before the barbarous yep. emails the start, down. start showing and people start flaming bags of manure on my front porch. Just take take it with a grain of salt that we're just it's a vague term and uh, we're going to have some fun don't scream at us and say yes of course i remember these songs it just just be happy that we're playing them again these bands would be happy that we're playing them again that's for sure although i i think for the most part most of these songs still make the set lists when they perform live if you're sending manure to steve's house please just spread it on the lawn okay <laughs> yeah I, I don't have much lawn i have a townhome i, don't, I never really talk about where i live but it's the front lawn per se is about the size of a welcome mat. <laughs> and I've got a porch in the back. That's, I don't know. It's five feet by five feet of concrete. And then it's, it opens up into a, a rolling lawn that goes into the duck pond, but. Oh, so it's like common space. Yeah, you have like a, yeah, I don't, a pad. There's no privacy. Yeah. And then I sit up here in my home office, glaring out the window over the entrance to the, community like i'm some sort of hitchcockian figure you know in a wheelchair but that's my life that's my existence well if grace kelly's stopping by then i'd say you're doing all right yeah no one stops by someone anyone rings the doorbell you know my routine i do not answer the door duck and cover you have to you have to announce yourself before i answer the door why are you shaking me off huh i want to bring the heater to announce my presence with the door do not sure what anyway you're right we did take 20 minutes to enter the show that's great. see in the old days, we'd be done. I know. Oh, so say anything. Did you guys like it? Yeah, I liked it. Okay, show's over. Me, me and my pandering. <laughs> who's, who's in that movie? I don't really remember. Doesn't matter. We'll look it up later. <laughs> Google it, Steve. And show. <laughs> <laughs> Not too far from the truth. Anyway, let's get started. Here's my first song. This one's from Paul McCartney. I can describe why I love this song in two words. What are those words? 
David Gilmour. Ah, the guitar solo. Oh, my goodness. I love David Gilmour. Got the pleasure to see him in 2016 on his last tour. It was everything I wanted it to be. Now, now I feel like if I mock this song, I'm just an asshole. <laughs> I was going to be that guy. So why don't you take over? No, I mean, when I think of the two words that makes me love the song, it's Paul Whistles. <laughs> if you watch the, um, the long version of the video, it starts off with McCartney pouring a cup of tea and whistling, you know. <laughs> Sticking a film in, in the, the projector. And... Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, threading the old Geneva mechanism. Mm. That'd be a great name for a prog band. So Geneva mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's a really good band name. Stop the show. I'm going to add it to my list <laughs> and show. So anyway, here's the interesting part about this. This is not a 1985 song. This is a 1984 song. It was released in September, but it did its majority of the big charting right around the holidays, December, January. So we're going to grandfather it in. Because we can. Plus, we, I don't think we talked about it in the 1984 show, which we did a year ago. And maybe we did. <laughs> I just don't remember. And it doesn't matter because you're not going to go back and listen to it. And plus, now we have bass note here to say Dave Gilmore. That's true. This is the final song that Paul McCartney recorded for the soundtrack for Give My Regards to Broad Street. Has anyone seen that movie besides me? Yes. And it's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> it's it's a it's about a fictional day in the life of Paul McCartney. And it has he obviously stars in it. Ringo Starr, Linda McCartney, George Martin all play themselves, and the plot revolves around a missing set of recording tapes. And that's really, really all we need to say about it. <laughs> Sounds like an episode of a sitcom. It, well, it kind of was in a way. I, I mean, I you've not given me any reason that when we've talked about it to ever even try and look for it so no I've it's really it. just a long it. music video it, it is a long music video i mean that's a kind of like beatles movies right it's so, there are worse it's ways worked before it's worked before I, I would rather watch uh give my regards to broad street than watch the goonies again let's put it that way <laughs> you, now you're gonna get the hate <laughs> like I, you know do you want me to tie you to the railroad tracks or you're just gonna lie there <laughs> i'll just lie there you know me the king of minimal effort oh it's okay. <laughs> I'm sure the train won't mm-hmm. hurt too much. I don't feel anything anymore anyway. The Cindy Lopper engine. It's a weird soundtrack. Let's just let's talk about it just as a soundtrack. It's mainly remakes of songs that he did with the Beatles and with Wings and, and some of his solo stuff too. Some of his solo stuff. It's the song itself, No More Lonely Nights, recorded live in just three hours. And wow. if I'm if I remember correctly, Dave Gilmore donated his fee to charity. Yep. Um, the idea was Paul McCartney was tasked with writing a theme song for the movie, but he couldn't make the title Give My Regards to Broad Street work. Maybe he should have thought of He'd that. He'd already used Spies Like Us, so he couldn't do that again. <laughs> or maybe that was later. Oh, yeah, Spies Like Us. It was later. <laughs> but um, anyway, so he gave up on the idea. He wrote the song and said, there are bits and pieces of this song scattered throughout the movie, kind of like Kind of like plane wreckage, if you want to continue the. <laughs> Ouch. The song obviously was a hit. I think it may have barely cracked the top 10. The movie was a flop. I think it has a 21% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And the video itself is completely forgettable. It's just a montage of Paul singing along with clips from the movie. So now that we've really sold it. <laughs> I'm going to say, boy, we're really starting I, out strong. There's here. something about this song. I, I can play this song on. What is it that appeals to you? About this I song can play song? this song nonstop 
all day during a work day for some reason. It just it just works. And for some reason, that stupid whistling gets stuck in my head. And I, I remember for the longest time uh, when I moved to Orlando and I had an office to myself and the hallways around me were mainly empty. I would walk the hallways whistling that tune just because it sounded good with the acoustics of the hallway. But I literally would probably listen to that song every workday for a couple of years. It just was, it wow. just buried itself in there. And I, I really loved it. For me, it's that it's the guitar solo. It's just, I, I just live for that guitar solo at the end of the song. There's a point at the end of the song where you can hear a key change. Yeah. And then Gilmore comes in with mm-hmm. these like these dissonant chords that he plays. And it, it, it's just so good. <laughs> I agree that it's good. I just, it, it's just so out of place. And it, and it never comes back from that. I mean, this wasn't the last time that Gilmore actually worked with McCartney. He's, he's uh, on at least one song on the Flowers in the Dirt album. Yeah. And then when he did the Run Devil Run album, which is a bunch of old recordings from the, from the 50s, Gilmore was his lead guitarist in the band. Oh, nice. It's still a great song. It's, it's a great song from a bad movie. Yeah. And we could, we've done entire podcasts about great songs from bad movies. So... Hey, Snow, why don't you go next? What's your forgotten hit from 1985? First one I'm going to go with is a good rocker from uh, Night Ranger, Four in the Morning. This song spent 13 weeks on the charts, peaked at number 19 in October. And if you go back to Stuck in the 80s, episode 112, the interview with Jack Blades, he actually talks about writing this song that he just woke up at four in the morning one day and literally had the chorus in his head and, <laughs> and just sat down and wrote the song. In the interview, he said he was most proud of the fact that four in the morning was not the chorus. <laughs> it's right. It's the first, <laughs> yeah. it's the first words of the yeah. song. Yeah. I remember interviewing Jack. I don't remember him telling that story. That's crazy. Good thing you recorded it. I just listened to it again yesterday. <laughs> nice thing about Night Ranger is when, when they do live shows, they still play all their hits. And I, I looked at their set list. You can go to setlists.fm and look up your set mm-hmm. list from any of your favorite bands. And Night Ranger's already been performing a lot live this year. And including once, I think they play, or was it last year? They played it... Uh, Sturgis, the motorcycle oh, thing. Gosh. And of course, that was just like a <laughs> the, the super spreader yeah, event. Super yeah. spreader event. I said something about that on social media and everyone jumped on me. But so I won't say anything about it again. But four in the morning, I think is usually the second song on their set list. I have a strong memory of this song. A group of friends were all gathered at, at somebody's house, just hanging out. Somebody had made a mixtape. I think it might have been me. And this song was on it. And you know, of course, my wife, I told her that story. And she's like, of course, it was you. So, <laughs> so <laughs> There's always one guy in the group that brings the mixtape. Uh, yeah, I was, right? I was the mixtape guy. So we're, uh, the mixtape is playing. And it's like, we're all, you know, big group of us having you know, all, all sorts of separate conversations. And then all of a sudden, this song came on. And somebody goes, oh, crank it up. And then <laughs> suddenly, all of us are just singing this song at the top of our lung, along with the whole song. It's just such a fond memory that I have of that. That's awesome. Wow. 
Yeah, I love that. It's got a weird video though, doesn't it? Yeah, the oh. video is pretty goofy. It's oh. like I think it's actually a continuation of the Sentimental Street video. Yeah, yeah. Where the, where the, the, the airplane crashes or whatever, and they're like stuck in the desert, and one of them has a genie lamp and tosses it to another guy, and he rubs it and he just throws it in the air, and suddenly it becomes a spaceship. And they're all freaking out and the spaceship crashes and these three hot looking alien women pop out and it's like, come here, boys. And, and they all follow. And then in a big puff of smoke, they they're suddenly in this uh, alien arena where a cleaned up version of Night Ranger is on stage performing the song and they're watching themselves. <laughs> oh, so meta. So great. It's just, you know, the 80s. Yep. This is why we love the 80s. These absolutely ridiculous music videos that were getting yeah. made. It, I'm adding this to my list of videos based in bad spaceships. Yes. Or or okay, I've only got a couple. You could you could add it to a list of music videos set in the desert because you would yeah. have this. You'd There's have uh, the Tom Petty. It's a lot. You got lucky. Yeah. And let's see what else. Yeah. Um Queen of the Broken Hearts by um Loverboy. There's three. There's a lot of overlap between uh, videos and bad spaceships and videos with female extraterrestrials. There's a lot of overlap. There. <laughs> I, I I feel that we have two coffee table books in the works now. I think they might be coffee table pamphlets, but maybe we could get some. Very. We'll, we'll pump it up with some photos. Yeah. There's more stories of bass notes singing at a campfire in the summer. <laughs> God, I love that. Brad, we've, we've got three songs each. What's your first song from 1985? Okay. My first song is There Must Be an Angel by Eurythmics. I must be Eurythmics, Eurythmics. Don't ask me why. This is the second single from their fourth studio album, Be Yourself Tonight. And for this album, they took a little bit different direction. If you're familiar with the first couple albums, well, the first couple commercially viable albums, I should say, that anybody had a chance to get their hands on, they were a lot more experimental, a lot more electronic. But this album is a lot more kind of straight ahead pop rock, kind of like radio play music, if you will. Annie Lennox stepped back from her super androgynous look and became a bleach blonde rock and roller. Okay. This song is the duo's only UK number one. It peaked out at number 22 on the US charts. There are plenty of Eurythmic songs that are built on that tension between Dave Stewart and Annie Lennox, their former relationship and their ongoing musical relationship. But this one is not one of those songs. Annie Lennox is so completely unironic in her singing about just the joy of being in love, which is how I picture Steve wakes up every morning. <laughs> that's, I mean, it's, that's nice that you think that way. What, I, you, what you're missing is that I'm a sweaty ball chained to a CPAP machine. Future wife. Once took a photo of me sleeping where I had the mask on. I was like, don't ever do that again. I, I look like I'm 
you know. Bring me the phone. I'm deleting that it's picture. Lo- lo- look, you look like you're on I, life support. It looks like you're on life support. Is, <laughs> yeah. Anyone else here use a CPAP machine? No, no great. It's just I do me. Not. <laughs> Wonderful. I, I know people. Moment of uh, seriousness. If you do have a snoring problem, by all means, go get a sleep study. It took me, I snored for like decades before someone finally was like, you know, I'm holding a gun to your head. Go get a sleep study. And it's the easiest thing in the world. And it comes back and like, oh, you just need a CPAP machine. And, and now I sleep. I don't snore a bit. So nice. no big deal. It just looks awful at night. It looks, you know, like Mark says, like I'm on life support. So on, on that cheerful note, you know, what isn't on life support? Eurythmics. Eurythmics are not on life support. <laughs> yeah. So this song, I don't know if you guys have listened to this recently, but it features a, uh, harmonica solo about two-thirds of the way through it do you know who plays yes. that harmonica oh, solo pick me, pick me. dave gilmore no <laughs> <laughs> two words bass note what do you got stevie wonder that's right it is stevie wonder in the video it's a little kid who's just like holding it and pushing it back and forth across his mouth like he's eating a corn on the cob it's pretty funny but uh the actual solo is played by uh you want to say it, you Mr. Wonder himself, Stevie <laughs> you Wonder. Wanted to say Dave Gilmore, I know you did. I thought about it. I thought about it. So Lennox and Stewart went to LA to record this with him, but he kind of works on his own schedule, and so they ended up waiting around the studio for him. They weren't sure if he was going to show up and what was going to happen. Finally, he arrives and he played the solo. And Annie Lennox said later in an interview, "The man is a supreme musician, worth waiting for." That's very kind. Yeah, but let's talk about the video, Steve. Oh. Man, the videos in 1985, I, you know, I don't know if I can top female extraterrestrials, but this is pretty strong. UFO? It's better. Extraterrestrial? It's better. All right, just get it and come on outside. Female, female extraterrestrial? In this particular installation, uh, Dave Stewart appears as King Louis the Fourteenth of France, surrounded by his court. Annie Lennox is a singer who's there to entertain the king, and the look on her face is absolutely beatific. I'm so excited I get to use that word. This is why I said she was singing so unironically. She just has this earnest facial expression. She just looks so joyful. There's no other word for it. There's not a, you know, you keep kind of waiting for that little ironic, like, ah, little wink or, or some little smug smirk or something, and it just never arrives. She's She plays it straight to the lyrics the whole way through. The rest of the kind of, quote, entertainment that's going on on stage is pretty fun. I don't know. It's pretty weird. There's a guy dressed as a unicorn, several fluted columns, children in togas, a singer with angel wings belting out the counterpoint like an angel, I guess, a gospel choir, hunting dogs, and an awful lot of fog machines. You know, I guess that's just how they do it in Versailles. And at the end of the video, to show his appreciation, uh, King Stewart releases a box of white doves and showers Annie Lennox in gold coins from a chest that someone carries for him. It's it's great. You need to take a look at this. It's fun. I watched it just before the show. I I, I know that if you're going to talk about a song, you're going to talk about the video. So <laughs> I, if it's if there's something notable, I think it's worth it's worth mentioning. There was one song that I didn't choose that I really wanted to pick just for the video, but I couldn't do it. My next song has no video worth talking about whatsoever. This is cr- so you're two for two there. <laughs> this is Crazy in the Night by Kim Carnes.
remembers this song. This this now this one is is truly more of a forgotten hit. Yeah, I did not remember this song at all. It's the lead single from her ninth 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 studio album. Nine, nine wow, time. nine times. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember nine albums. <laughs> Probably because she didn't release them. It reached number fifteen on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. It was her last, or <clears throat> remains so far, her last top forty entry to date. There's always a chance she could make a comeback. She's still out there. She's still, you know, she's not retired. (laughs) It features some really interesting lyrics that I'd like to read to you in a dramatic form. There's a monster on my ceiling. There's a monster on the wall. There are thousands in the closet. Now they're coming down the hall. I'm so hidden. They can't find me. But then again, they might. What can I do to keep them going crazy in the night? All right. Now that being cool, Daddy O. That being said, it's a catchy tune. It's completely made me rethink the career of Kim Carnes. Uh, I didn't realize she got started in the seventies, like the early seventies. She was pinning uh, songs for the Sugar Bears and David Cassidy. The Sugar Bears. Oh my goodness, that's awesome. Yeah, she had her first solo album in seventy-two. Okay. Her first big hit was You're a Part of Me in 75. Of course, we all remember Betty Davis Eyes in 1981. Sure. So she continues to record and write these days. But like I said, the video is just, there's no reason to watch it other than, unless you really like the soft focus mm. performance videos that the 80s are so scoffed at for, then by all means, look it up on YouTube. I'm just surprised this song reached as high as it did. Number 15. Wow. It's, you know, probably got some A&R muscle behind it. It must have had a little, yeah, muscle is the word. <laughs> another M word the behind green, it. The green muscle, yeah. the green muscle with the dead president's pictures. Because it. it really feels out of place in 85. Yeah. Yeah. If this had come out like in 81 or two. Yeah. There's all kinds of madness going on in the early part of the day. Yeah. There's, there's more room charts. for something like this. <laughs> anyway. Base note, what do you have next? My next one is Fortress Around Your Heart by Sting. This was, I believe, the third single off his Dream of the Blue Turtles album. Peaked at number eight and wound up at number 95 on the year-end Hot 100. The song was inspired by Sting's divorce from his first wife, Frances Tomalty. Phil Collins is not the only one who can write a good That's song good. about divorce. I was going to say, probably <laughs> something he did as a I, You know, it's a ripe topic. <laughs> In a musician magazine, Sting was quoted as saying, Fortress is about appeasement, about trying to bridge the gap between individuals. The central image is a minefield that you've laid around the other person to try and protect them. Then you realize that you have to walk back through it. I think it is one of the best courses I've ever written. <laughs> wow. I do like the symbolism of this. Oh, song. I love the symbolism I, of the song. I would have thought this would charted higher just because I like the song a lot better than... Um, Free, free, set them free. Yeah, which I think and it was the lead single. Love is the song. seventh wave. I think this is a much, much better song. Yeah, I like Love is the seventh wave, but Love in the seventh wave is no fortress around your yeah. heart. <laughs> Sting is something we talked about this album. I think 
in the early days of stuck in the eighties. This is the concert I went to with the infamous bags of rum that exploded in my pants. Yes. <laughs> I was nice. going to say, was this giving you visions of exploding bags of rum? <laughs> <laughs> that was a weird night. Go back and just search for my police are staying. It's, it's one of the first bags of rum. 50 episodes this is one of the stories that people ask me to retell a lot that I, it's been so long since I told it the last time that I, I don't remember it as well anymore. You should just make something up <laughs> about, you know, getting arrested and ending up, you know, spending the night in, in jail. I remember meeting Jen with one end for the first time on the first eighties cruise. Mm-hmm. And she asked me to retell the bags of rum story. And I started doing it. She's like, you're doing such an awful job. Let me just finish it for you. <laughs> I love Jen. Jen, come on. <laughs> Be nice all, before you're right. In Jen. all fairness, yeah, I was. She she did a much better job. Oh, okay. When you talk about this song, I immediately go to um, the documentary. I don't know if you guys remember Bring on the Night. Sure. Yes. The documentary that was shot during the making and preparation for their. Well, I guess it probably wasn't during the making of the album, but it, it was, was during the, their preparation the, the tour for the tour for the, for the album. Yeah. I, I just watched it a couple weeks ago again, and it's it's kind of cute how earnest everybody is. And, you know, you don't. I think Sting makes the point, you know, you don't see a lot of documentaries about bands that are getting started daryl jones who's the bass player on that very presciently says i'm not sure that this is exactly a band and that everybody has an equal say in what goes on <laughs> around here which i find the funniest line in the whole movie it's true so i actually have a story about uh, from that movie michael apted the director wanted to create a spinal tap moment so at a concert in paris he had a two-foot fortress with a, a, a heart that was wrapped in tinfoil uh, commissioned and lowered down onto the stage during the performance of this song. Sting admitted to being taken aback by it, but did not show it outwardly and just kind of just kept playing to the audience. Apted was actually very disappointed. He wanted, he wanted to get a big reaction from Sting and put it in the film, but he decided since Sting did not have a good reaction that the footage was deemed unusable for the film. That's a pity because that would have been really funny. Yeah, I didn't know about that. That's that's great. I mean, I I can see Sting uh, just from the way he is in the rest of that movie. Like when the the band is kind of teasing him about an article that's in the the tabloid press, he's kind of like, yeah, okay, we're done here. Can we move on? <laughs> While they're singing, you know, the George, the Jeffersons theme song, which is it's very funny. I think Sting it, is lightened up in his later years because I I, saw, I hope so. I saw him about a year uh, about. I think it's 2019 touring okay. with Peter Gabriel and yeah. And my son went he and Peter tour. Gabriel were having a ball on stage. They looked like they were just enjoying every second of it. Nice. Brad, what's your next song on the list? Oh, do I have any more? I feel like I'm all talked out here. Okay, here we go. My next song is all you zombies by the Hooters. don't think i've heard this on the radio in 20 years oh easily so, yeah i got a little multiple choice question for you guys all you zombies is a a live single released in 1982 b the fourth track on the hooters 1983 album amore c the first single from their 1985 album nervous night d none of the above e all of the above i'm gonna go with d none of the above 
Hmm. Base note? Yeah, I'll go with Steve D. It's all of the above. <laughs> they wrote this song in 1981. They released it as a live single. They recorded another version for their first studio album, which was independently uh, released. And then their first major label album, they reused it yet again, which actually they did that. I think there are three or four songs that are on Amore or Amore that show up on Nervous Night. The song was written by band founders Eric Bazilian, which is how many dollars he wished he would make from this, and Rob Hyman. I'm sure he's never heard that joke. Uh, they cranked out this reggae-influenced track like overnight. They're, all the interviews, we, they talk about it. They both express surprise at how quickly they, they cranked it out. The song is filled with biblical images, which caused some controversy. It actually got banned from some radio stations, which I'm kind of trying to figure that one out. But Hyman said in an interview with Song Facts, quote, to this day, it probably is the song that people ask us about the most. They want to know what it's about. They want to know the intent and the meaning. And it just kind of happened. We didn't think about it. It wasn't discussed. It wasn't premeditated. It just came out of us. The lyrics are very intriguing. Some songs are just like that. You never quite know what they're about. And if it's put together in the right way, they can be wonderful experiences. I love songs like that. You just listen, and every time you hear it, you kind of wonder what's going on. What? Of course, it's the song they're most asked about. I mean, it's not like everyone's going, you know, tell us the deep meaning behind And We Danced. Fair. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being unnecessarily curlish here. I, I, you're, play, you're playing the part of Brad in L.A. today. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, no, it's a good point. Lyrically, it's like, what are we, why are we talking about Moses? And what's the deal with Noah? And like, I can't think of a song that I've heard on pop radio that includes the word Israelites. Except this. <laughs> yeah, uh, fair point. So the, the band the band liked the song, but they thought it was too quirky to be a hit. Hmm. The US charts seemed to agree with them. It peaked at fifty eight. Wow. Although it did get to number eight in Australia. They do like their biblical references there, apparently. I found this interesting. I found out in my research that Bazillion and Hyman also worked with Cindy Lauper on her debut album. They did some arranging and they both played on it. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. That contact helped get them their deal with Columbia record. Yeah. Can I clarify my, my, my comments about the Hooters? I, I like the Hooters. No, they come down here. I, I think every year and they play at Epcot center during food and wine festival. I, I've never had a chance to see them Cause it's usually like a during the week show and Spearsy don't leave the house, leave the house. you know, <laughs> on, uh, We've spent too much time together, Steve. So we're finishing each other's sandwich. I, I love. I, I I do. I really enjoy the Hooters. I hope they come on the cruise someday. I hope. I hope they play. Oh, a, they'd be great. I hope they play a weekend sometime in Orlando, so I can get out of the house. But um, I, I I didn't mean any disrespect over it, and we danced. If that song came on now, I would get up and do the rumba to it. Or would you dance? I would dance like a wave on the ocean. Would there be romance? Probably like liars in love. If I'm doing dancing, there better be some romance in. That's all I'm saying. I mean, their de- their big debut album is a good album. It's a really good album. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's solid. They're from uh, Philly, so right? They, They're from Philly. They are yeah, from Philadelphia. Philly. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why they ended up on the bill for Live Aid, largely in Philadelphia. They played. Uh, they were one of the early acts. It might have been the second act on stage. Wow. And the performance is not on the official DVD releases, but you can find it on YouTube. There are enough. Like people have taken various sources and cut things together from home video and MTV footage and stuff. It's great. Apparently, Bob Geldof didn't think they were big enough for his little fundraiser thing, saying a couple of days before the event, "Who the f- are the Hooters?" To which I would say, 
Bob. Who the fuck are the Coldstream guards? I don't hear a single. <laughs> There's Brad. He's back. Okay, okay. I know I just pissed off every British listener who has great respect for the British military, and I know the Coldstream guards and their history, but rock and roll show? Uh-uh. Anyway, let's talk about the video. It's not really that exciting. Uh, it's your basic let's play a rock song in a somewhat sinister industrial building while a military guy smokes a cigar and random people open and close valves. Then when the song ends, we'll wrap it up with the shot of the military guy getting suspended by his feet, still smoking a cigar. Okay. I mean, it, it's not terrible, but don't go looking for any information on what the song's actually about. God. I started watching the video right before the show and I, I, I didn't get too far into it and now I'm sort of regretting it. Now I do kind of want to look oh, it up. You got all afternoon, my friend. God, I do. It's the weekend. Uh, it's not four in the morning. It's just me and the chili Came dogs. Without a warning. <laughs> I have one more song. We each have one more song. This one. Because we like you. We like you, listeners. We want to talk to you all, all day. Steve's going to tell you. Party all, every night. I'll tell you one ridiculously stupid, irrelevant story with every song. Ooh. At least this one we can celebrate the video for it. This is Misled by Cool and the Gang. Okay, show of hands because we can actually see each other on video. Who who remembers this song? Wow, okay. I actually picked up the CD the other day at a UCD store. Oh my God. Nice. <laughs> I mean, Steve, you got to remember, my wife almost left me for Cool and Gang. So I, it behooves me to be familiar with their catalog. Okay, so here again, we have another 1984 song, but it didn't chart until March of 1985. It was from their album Emergency. Anyone want to guess? How many albums came before Emergency? Mm. Cool in the Gang. It's a big number. Say in double I'd digits. Say 12. Yeah. No, this is their 16th album. <gasps> Good grief. And you <laughs> guys were cranking them out. If you bought it, you probably bought it for songs like Cherish or Fresh. I did check the set list for Cool in the Gang. They do not play this song live anymore. Hmm. I was misled. <laughs> it's got my favorite line of any song this week. She's as heavy as a Chevy. <laughs> yeah, how'd you get away with that? Cool in the gang. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, what, what's kind of interesting, though, is that this sounds less like Cool in the Gang and more like Rick James. Yeah, there's not as much horn yeah. line stuff in it. More yeah, guitar. Heavy, heavy on the guitar, yeah. Yeah, it's maybe that's why they don't play it, because, you know, my boy Jerome, the trombone player, nixed it because he wanted something to do. Yeah, they've got a 10, I think there's 10 members of Cool in the Gang. They've been around since 64. It's a big, it's a big lineup. Yeah. Robert Cool Bell is, was the one of the founders. He's the only one still with the band. His, his brother Ronald died in September. The video, okay. It's better if you just go on YouTube, put the podcast on pause and, and check it out. But assuming you're not going to do that, here's what to expect. Creepy guys in robes, some like uh, a dancer who's ghostly white literally acting out the lyrics and an amazing blue jacket for the lead singer but uh, yeah but overall it's 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 kind of up there with billy ocean and lover boy as far as 
needlessly weird. Yeah, it's <laughs> like you know somebody's college film project. Yes. I have no idea what's going on here. Is the woman supposed to be a banshee like, luring him away? I don't it's really a, know. Can we do this as a group? What's the deal with the car? Can we do this as a group costume for the cruise next year? That's all I'm asking. <laughs> If you can get that jacket, you could build an empire. No, around nobody wants jacket. to see me wearing that jacket. Oh, <laughs> I beg to. They don't make it in that my size. <laughs> it's gonna have to be a custom anyway. So. Yeah, it's a shame. Bespoke, bespoke eighties jackets. Dot com. I, I, I would go dress as one of the creepy guys in the robes, though, in the mask that has sort of a eyes wide shut kind of thing. That's got a. That's gonna go with Andre the Giant as uh, the Dread Pirate Roberts. I actually I bought that costume. I have it somewhere around here. Nice. It was a backup one one of these years. But do you have some big foam boulders you could throw at people? <laughs> yeah, I got some big foam. Boulders. I don't have to miss. I don't even exercise. <laughs> okay, base note. Save me with your third and final pick. Okay, well, she got mentioned a little earlier. This is uh, All Through the Night by Cindy Lauper. All through the night Stray cat is crying So stray cat sings back All through the night They have forgotten What binding they was i believe her fourth single off of the she's so unusual album and it peaked at number five in december of 1985 ended up at number 65 on the year-end chart this song is actually a cover oh wow so we get to talk about it again someday soon it's it's cindy it's originally done by jewel shear on his 1983 album watchdog ah jewel wow. shear it's not even like an old song and shear actually provides backing vocals for the song oh nice Oh, there you go. And he also said that her version of the song is his favorite cover. I'm just picturing him in the session, like yelling at her. You're doing it um. wrong. That's not how you <laughs> sing it. I downloaded and listened to his version of the song not too long ago. And his version is almost like a country version of the song. Oh, really? Yeah. I see that. Huh? Now, Wikipedia said that there was no video for this song, but I, I distinctly remember an exclusive live video that was on MTV. And it was actually this video that made me become a Cindy Lauper fan because this song live showed off her vocal range so well. Didn't she do like a live concert for MTV and they cut a couple videos from that? It might have been. I, I, Wouldn't yeah. surprise me. That was that but, was very MTV at that time. Yeah. An exclusive concert with sure. up and coming. I mean, Journey had theirs in 1981. The, the show at Houston Summit was... And they did an Asia in Asia concert. I remember that. Stay up till That's right. two in the morning to watch that. I remember uh, a concert by the Cult for their love wow. for their love album that made me run out and buy that album the next day because it's like I saw that concert. I'm like, damn, this is good. <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah. <laughs> the the gosh, I haven't heard that album in a long time. Oh, the, a good album. the final Who concert in at, uh, their first farewell tour, circa 1980. Yeah. <laughs> two was on HBO, and I remember I, I had I did I couldn't name three Who songs at that time, and I watched that concert. And Play Teenage Wasteland. <laughs> Shut up, noob. <laughs> but yeah, I watched that, and I became a lifelong Who fan after that. So it's, it's amazing what a, a live concert film will do for you. 
Yeah, it's like the, the end of the song when she goes into the the, the ooze. The, actually, the, the live version is on subsequent releases of the CD. I do have a CD that actually has mm. the live version of this song on it. When she does the ooze at the end, she, there's a couple of them where she just gets really high up in her range. And I was like, damn, she's got a good range. Say what you will about Cindy Lauper. She's got a voice. She can sing. She yeah. can sing. Yeah, 100%. Total respect. Brad, you've got one last pick. I'm going to bring this one in quick. I don't have a whole lot to say about this because I wasn't sure if we we're going to do three songs each, but take a quick listen to this by Don Henley. See a lot more meanness in the city. So can eat you up inside? Hard to come away with anything that feels like dignity. Sunset Grill. <laughs> yes. Look, here's the thing. If you hear a Don Henley song on the radio, it's bo- it's Boys yeah. of Summer. It's yeah. Boys of Summer. And if by some reason they're doing like the two for weekend playlist and so they do two by each artist, the other one's Dirty Laundry. Or All She Wants to Do is Dance. Oh, yeah. Or All She Wants yeah. to Do is Dance. Yeah. Okay, yeah. good point. You just don't hear it anymore. So I thought that fit the forgotten theme. Sunset Grill is an actual place on Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood. Apparently, Don Henley used to like to go there and watch people, and it was a place he could do that and not be recognized. It's a, just a just off the beaten path enough, although it is on Sunset Boulevard. The family that owned the restaurant when the song was released sold it in 1997, and it was torn down and rebuilt and reopened. So there is still a Sunset Grill, but it's not the same. It's like it's like that thing about. Is it still the same boat if you've replaced every plank and every nail in it? Yeah, is it yeah. still the same? I don't know. But I've never been there. Sounds kind of touristy. On the plus side, they do serve breakfast all day, which I'm a big fan of. <laughs> well, so does IHOP. <laughs> Let's well, go yeah. down to the IHOP grill. Rudy Tooty, fresh and fruity. Make it snappy. I really like the groove of this song. It just is fun to listen to, but it does have this no actual instruments were harmed in the making of this song sound to it. It is so synthy. The drums, it's all drum kit or electronic drum. And there's a little bit, there's some guitar in there somewhere kind of floating along. I, I actually looked this up on the liner notes. It's actually guitar synthesizer. It's the, the horn solo nice. is played on a guitar synthesizer by Gabe Korchman. I love it. I love it. And it just, it's what it feels like. And it's, that's definitely of its time too, to a certain extent. I just think this is a forgotten Don Henley track that I remember fondly. I think it's probably my favorite song on Building the Perfect Beast. It answers the great question for many of us who live in Los Angeles who occasionally, you know, like, why am I here? The answer is, all our friends are here. Yep. Oh, wow. Let's go sit in a dark room and ponder that for a while. Well, before you do that, Steve, <laughs> I think we should get to the, the Seggies. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for mystery movie moment. We'll play a snippet of a movie from the 80s if you get it right. Right? If you get it right? Why does that sound wrong? I don't know. Telling you, fatigue. Don't overthink it. Fatigue is... Don't don't think. Don't target. Just throw. (laughs) Can only hurt the club. The postal-friendly bottle opener awaits you. We haven't sent one out in a while, have we? But we haven't had too many segues in a while. There is that. Well, we've been gone a lot. 
there'll be more traveling. That's true. Anyway, I don't know why I'm getting off topic, except for that's just what I do. That's shocking. <laughs> Cast your mind back, my friends, to episode 599. And remember this cute little movie clip. This is how we say goodbye in Germany. Yep, that's Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. That do you do you guys ever do this deal when you like I work at home, Brad? You work from home, right? Now, based on yeah. do you work from home or do you go to the office? No, I work I work at a fitness center. Okay, so what I do to kind of stay alert is play a movie that I've seen a thousand times on one of the other computer monitors, and and the week that we did that. Episode 599, I was watching Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade over and over and over again. What I like about that movie now when I watch it is the interplay between father yes. and son. Oh, yeah. Connery is that's, so good. That's that really movie. fun to me. Yeah. No, it's yeah. when I used to work in the office, there was another guy who really loved all these movies. And every once in a while, we would just throw each other a line in the middle of a meeting. And just, just to really, because we would think it was hilarious and nobody else would get it. And my favorite... That's for blasphemy. <laughs> no, I would, I would, I would like... I would throw something on the floor or something, and I'd go, no ticket. <laughs> I like the Austrian way better. Yeah. <laughs> so somewhere along the line, Brad's going to have to interrupt me and read some names. Oh, Steve, shut up so I can read these names. Oh, that actually worked. Amazing. Winners this week include Joseph Perdue, Alejandro Sticks, Cardoso Solis from Tijuana, Baja, California, Mexico, who did that because I complained about the long nicknames a few weeks ago. <laughs> Thanks. We're just going to call you Sticks from now on, Chuckles. Dean Carter from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Apparently he's in on it too. Brock in North Dakota. John in LA Center, Kentucky. Ken Mooch Milligan. Bart Kopp from West Des Moines, Iowa. Colin Hall. Ralph in Clearwater. Todd in Minnesota. Gene in Hollister. Chip Jamerson. Jeremy in St. Pete, Florida. Darren in Ukaipa. Bo Fornai. Cliff from London. DJ Elliott. Chip in Maryland. Dallas in St. Joseph. Mike from Pasadena. Jesse Elgato Grande Smith. And Tom Korn who liked the Austrian way so much better, he up and moved there. Yep. Nice. I don't know if we ever got the full story from Tom about why he's in Austria. I, I, it seems like maybe he did tell us years ago. Oh. Maybe it's time for a refresher course. It's so, so. simple. It's all Austrian way nowadays. Uh, <laughs> congratulations, by the way, to uh, Jesse Elgato Grande Smith. I think he just became a realtor. Nice. So In this oh, market, congrats. go get him. Go get him. <laughs> yeah. In the meantime, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery movie clip. Who's buying the booze? You if you know it, email us at podcast at SITs.com and tune in soon to find out if you're a winner. Uh, the mystical refrain that is name that 80s tune. Um, we will play a snippet. If, why is it always a snippet? Can it be something else? Brad's mocking me. I didn't even notice that. Now I'm looking at the damn video. <laughs> no more video <laughs> podcasts. I'm already feeling very insecure about my place. And and and, and um, it's very clear that Note prefers you as a host to me. And so now now you've done oh, wreck the rest of my security. <laughs> oh, come on, Eeyore. Just do the bit. <laughs> Steve, you are the rock that makes this podcast. I'm the roughage? The rock. The, oh, I guess. Yeah. You are the I would rock. accept it, roughage. <laughs> you are you are the rock upon which the church is stuck in the 80s is built peter yes i'm the coleslaw i like coleslaw the, the, i like coleslaw too <laughs> what are we doing <laughs> why did we start this I, i've lost my way who are you guys 
We'll play a piece of a song from the 80s if you get it right. Again, glory awaits you in the form of a one-by-two piece of metal inscribed upon which is the glorious logo of our motherland. Did I tell you when I was what? back uh, visiting my son, we'd got some beers, as you do, and I realized that my pocket knife, which has a bottle opener on it, was back at the hotel. And so I'm like, oh, I need a bottle opener. He whips out his wallet and pulls out a stuck-in-the-80s postal-friendly bottle opener. Which he rightfully did not win. What the hell? That I had given okay. him out of the largesse of, and grace of my parental love. I'm like, you carry that around with you? He's like, yeah, of course. It's really handy. I'm like, all right. That's nice. Right. Flashing the brand. All right. Yeah. Now I gave him some stickers to put on the telephone poles. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Pay attention. Back from episode 599. The glory. I don't even remember what 599 was about. Do you? Uh, I think it was a close but no cigar show. Or was it Square Pegs? No, Square Pegs was 600. Square Pegs was so long. I don't think we did Seggies <laughs> on that one. 600 was the dance episode. No, that was no, that was 601. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> trust, trust me. <laughs> wow. Everyone at home is screaming, get on with it. I know 598 was the last one I was on. So Okay. Oh, yeah. That was the deep dive on uh, Rush Moving Pictures. Yep. Okay. Anyway, where were we? 599. <laughs> You were paying attention. This was the song you probably heard. That's Notorious by Duran Duran. Where are all our Durannies? I thought we'd have more correct answers on this. I mean, yeah, I love really. you. All of you that wrote in, I love you all. But I just thought you'd be in part of a larger ensemble. That makes me want to know what 599 was even more now. Because was it a bad episode that nobody listened to? Okay, I'm going to look. Uh, is that the show we, we had have... Chuck Coverly on? Because you know what a lead balloon that guy is. Five, oh, yeah, you're right. It, no, actually, we had good downloads for that one. I remember that. That no, is a good show. The one. It's a good show. That's a good show. Okay, well, go figure. Chuck could probably tell us a lot more about the Hooters being from the Philadelphia area. I'll tell you a little bit more about Duran Duran in the next episode because we'll have a special guest. Anyway, Brad, read some names. Winners this week include Crispy Critter, Joseph Perdue, Alejandro Styx, Cardoso Solis from Tijuana, Baja, California, Mexico, the Northern Hemisphere, the planet Earth. John Ross from Charlotte, North Carolina, Lito from Austin, Michael Legat, Terry in Perth, Becky the Rocker Pixie, and... Brett Lawson. Uh, let's spin a wheel, find out who's going to take home uh, Metallic Glory. That that sounds like the name of a very bad band. I wouldn't go way. see them. No, Geneva Glory. Mechanism, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Is that really what it's called? Yeah, that's what it's called. Okay. Based on your turn to spin the wheel. Okay. There we go. Ooh, I I Strong. <laughs> I you better hit the fitness center. <laughs> Uh, looks like it's going to land on Ken Mooch Milligan. You're this week's winner. So email us your postal address and sometime with the agreed upon set coordinates. We'll get that baby in the mail to you. Some fun will arrive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Steve's at a loss for words at the end of the show. Every single time. In the meantime, pay attention. Here's the clip for this week's show. If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com. And, uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> Tune in next time to find out if you are a wiener. Thank you. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Music so alive, it's a concert in your car. Concert performance in car sound. And we're back. We have just a few seconds left. First of all, I want to thank Bass Note for coming back on the show and and for reminding us that we haven't done this series in a year. I, I was almost embarrassed when you when you told us sleeping that. in a podcast cocoon on our front yard. Nineteen eighty five was a fun year for music. It is kind of weird though. Some of these songs. I mean, it just wasn't what I was listening to then. I was, you know, what was I listening to? Hoodoo Gurus, Duran Duran. REM. Yeah, so. I was I was starting to get into more alternative stuff. Like I said, the cult. Uh, that's the '85 was the year I actually discovered the Cure. Okay, and nice. so you know, head yeah. on the door. Love that album. I was not listening to Cool and the Gang and Kim Carnes. No, Kim. I, yeah, somebody said name the Kim Carnes single that went to number fifteen in nineteen eighty five. I would die before I got the answer correct. <laughs> that's true. As we mentioned, we we did finally hit the six hundred episode milestone. A few weeks ago, um, got some really nice reader messages sent to us and some audio greetings, which we used last show. We heard from our favorite Montreal correspondent, Peter Ryan, this week, and he left us this message. Hey, gang, it's Stuck in the 80s. It's your old friend, Peter Ryan from Montreal, Quebec in Canada, wishing you all the best after 600 incredible episodes of Stuck in the 80s. It is really the highlight of my week to download a new episode I think that the topics that you keep coming up with are just simply amazing, thought-provoking, and gotta say, I love the Seggies. Félicitations à chacune et chacun. La balle diffusion est absolument incroyable et c'est fort apprécié ici à Montréal. Oh, thanks, Peter. Bon Dieu. I'm assuming that I'm assuming that that last part in French wasn't some sort of curse or anything. Yeah, the two years of high school French, I don't really remember even the swear words anymore. I, I had one. to take it for six weeks. <laughs> I think that's about all. Yeah, yes. That's all I got. <laughs> one thing I got to say before we wrap this up is last week I talked about this book, Do Stand So Close to Me, and how much I'd enjoyed it. And what I failed to mention was that I heard about this book on our frequent collaborator and occasional co-host, Galen DC's book blog, Every Day I Write the Book. I would never have heard of this book if not for her, and I certainly appreciate her turning me on to that. I don't always read books Gail recommends, but when I do, I usually enjoy them. So thanks, Gail. Check it out if you're looking for something to read. Gail's reading like two books a day or something crazy like that. So have a look. We had a lot of fun doing this week's show. If you have suggestions for uh, Forgotten Hits from 1986, it's up next. You just have to wait a year yeah, for it to happen. Carve them into a tablet, <laughs> bury it, and we'll tell you when to dig it up. In the meantime, base note, Brad and myself remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music, and thanks for listening.
can I tell you a weird story? So the people behind us and over a couple houses this summer have started making a lot of noise in their backyard at like one thirty in the morning on Friday <laughs> or on Saturday, I guess technically Saturday yes. morning. So sure enough, Saturday morning, Motley Crue starts playing at one thirty AM. They play three songs really loud and then it's quiet, but you can hear them talking because it's California and the weather's nice. So I sleep with the windows open and they go until like seven o'clock in the morning. Like I literally, I woke up this morning at six thirty, and they're still out there talking and playing music. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, that's not cool. I think I have vampires living behind me. I, I'm flanked on both sides by families that enjoy playing mariachi music until the wee hours of the morning. So, so you, you you're you're getting the vibe. I mean, look, I'm <laughs> I'm ready for you to kickstart your heart anytime you like, but I don't need to hear it at four. Exactly. I, without a warning. <laughs> uh, anyway, my neighbors are quiet here, but when I lived in St. Pete, the neighbors behind us who I never met, I mean, cause we had, you know, there was fences and it just, I sure. met them. but every holiday they would have sex with all the windows open in the middle of the day. <laughs> so you always knew so you're conducting like <laughs> Michael J. Fox every holiday, 4th of July, Memorial <laughs> day, labor day. We'd be, you'd be oh outside God. and you hear, you, you'd, I'm not going to make the sounds, but that, that's what they were with the windows open. It was like they're, oh, I lived there for almost 10 years. And that was, 